Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. You can save thousands off MSRP with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by TrueCar. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash carbine. All right, today we're talking with a couple of fine gentlemen, Marine Corps veterans, Christian Helms and Bo Plant, both founders of Bladeworks. And I was going to call Bladeworks a knife company, but they said actually we we're more we're more than just a knife company. We like to say that we're a we're we're a knife company that's like a combination between Etsy and Match.com. So before we get to talking <laughs> about that, hey uh, Bo, why don't you go first? Tell us what you did in the Marine Corps. Sure. So I was uh, 1803, uh, salt amphibian vehicle officer, which anyone who's familiar with that, um, it's just something that floats that shouldn't really float, uh, which is a great time. Some of the best Marines out there, I had a chance to be a platoon commander, then company executive officer. And I finished off my time at, as an instructor at the basic school with the Marine Corps, uh, just EASing this year in uh, January. Awesome. How about you, Christian? Yeah, man. Hey, thanks uh, for having us on the show first off. And uh, I started my Marine Corps career back in 2009, uh, uh, put on the uh, the yellow footprints there at Paris Island in the wintertime in January. I uh, decided to be a NASA reservist for about five years, uh, but I was an 0311. Um, uh, I, up until 2013, when I decided I wanted to do this for a good while and uh, made a career with OCS. And uh, I was an infantry officer uh, for the past eight years, active duty, um, and, uh, I, first I was with uh, first battalion fifth Marines, uh, over in Camp Pendleton, California for make peace or die. And, uh, and then, uh, went back to TBS as an instructor. And that's where I met my fellow blades working in here, uh, Bo Plant and, uh, decided to kick this thing off running. So it's been, uh, it's been a great journey, but I EAS, um, actually I just got off terminal leave 27 days ago. So the beard's coming in real nice right. and, uh, it's definitely a different, uh, different environment. All right. Oh, 300 infantry. All right. Yep. So you guys met at the end of your Marine Corps career. Talk a little bit about your transition. Did, did you guys go right into looking for jobs or were you, were you jumping into entrepreneurship from the get go? Go ahead, Bob. Uh, yeah. So I think for me, I kind of predicted that I would be ending my time with the Marine Corps uh, at about the six, seven year mark. Um, so I actually started my, uh, master's degree, my MBA at George Washington, uh, in 2019. Um, and that's what kind of what, and that was, I, I use that really as a way to start getting acclimated to civilian life, uh, and how the business work or business may work. So that, that kind of gave me the foundation, um, in order to prep for that transition. And through the skills I was learning was I really how blaze work kind of became real because I met, you know, met Christian, he had this idea and I just wanted to put my skills to use. So, uh, it served both purpose. My transition started with that applying for that MBA. And then as I got closer to that time, you know, working on trying, you know, obviously continue my service in the reserves, uh, also, you know, applying for a number of different companies and really my transition started figuring out what I wanted to do, which I, I think was a bigger hurdle than I anticipated. Right. Right. And so Christian, did you have this idea for a knife company for quite a while? Uh, I, I like to think so. Yes. Uh, it all started back in 2018 or 2019 just by creating a Facebook page. Initially the company was called, it wasn't even a company. We weren't even legitimate. 
uh, it was a Facebook page called Shadow Blades Forge, and it was like for, for the little guys because uh, a lot of knife makers just don't have the reach and the capability of the marketing aspect. And what they want to focus on is making knives, not selling them and mm. not reaching out and trying to go viral on Facebook or TikTok or Instagram and all that. They just want to make knives. Uh, and so my goal was to bring the little guy forward uh, with Shadow Blades Forge. And we, uh, I ran that thing for over a year and a half, kind of got a couple of good good runs up to a couple thousand followers. And then Bo decided to join the team where we, we talked about one night as we were at a mess night. So everybody that's listening, all of our veterans friends, we may have uh, been drinking water, only water, uh, and talking about business. And, uh, yeah, we decided to join forces and he put his masters to work. And, uh, I like to do things very fast and without a plan. Uh, and so that's kind of sums up my transition out of the Marine Corps too, and into this business is, but it's been phenomenal. Wow. So, so tell us a little bit about the concept of, of blades work. You said it's a combination of mash.com and Etsy. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this is my wife, by the way, this is Abby. Hey, Abby. You're on. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Um, so, um, it, it is a combination of both of those things. So when we first developed the idea, it was, um, bringing knife makers to a certain platform like so there's etsy out there right now but it's so saturated with just absolute garbage chinese garbage russian garbage you name it, it it's out there uh, pakistani garbage for like 35 dollars, you can get a homemade damascus knife and people are buying that because it's etsy it's homemade it's supposed to be different and good when in reality it's, it's not and there's no quality control going out there right now and everybody that thinks that they can make knives just believes that they can just start selling knives because it's something that fortune fire does or, or whatnot. So what we tried to do or what we are doing right now is we're being the quality control for that platform, right? So everybody that's moving over from Etsy, it doesn't matter if they've had 10, 15 years of experience in knife making, they still have to go through an application process. Um, and if we determine like me, I've been making knives for about 10 years. If I determine that they just don't make the cut, they don't make the cut and they can't sell on our platform. You know? So if, um, it, it, it very, it very much depends on like what, how much quality we're looking for, but we sell very high quality stuff. And then the match.com thing happens because we try and pair you with your favorite knife maker. So we have individual stores that you can go to. If you find a certain Smith on our site that you like you, the tendency is 75% of the chance you're going to stick with that individual maker. So you can go back and continuously look and see what this maker is providing or offering you at this time, which is where the match comes in. Um, and it's great. You know, people stick with the same maker for 15, 20 years uh, without branching. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Now, are you guys mostly just a platform to connect knife makers with customers or are you still making some of your own knives also? Yeah, so I do still make uh, knives on the side, but my main priority right now is to get this platform up and running. Uh, did have to make some knives to just generate a little bit of revenue so that we get the platform off the ground. Uh, but I am glad that, that is done and I can actually just focus on this. I love making knives uh, and I can't wait to start back up probably next March or April, but we're going to take a little bit slow and just focus on blaze work. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're, if you're a platform for, for knife makers, how do you typically... Uh, monetize that. Ooh, predominantly, oh, you want to start yeah. this and I'll finish. <laughs> yeah. So that's the interesting part, right? And, and the easiest way to think about this is we've essentially established a marketplace for these individual makers to 
uh, set up a virtual stall, if you will. Mm-hmm. And essentially setting up that, that's that individual stall is free. If you do make the application process. However, once you sell a product, there is a, there is a sales commission uh that we collect off that sale if it comes through the platform mm-hmm. right now uh it's it's set at 15 percent. we do tend to offer offer various discounts like military discounts to customers things like that and that will come out of our commission to incentivize the makers to stay with us um however right right now for the most part our predominant our prominent stream of revenue is through that sales commission off each knife through the marketplace platform mm-hmm. now do any of the do any of the knife makers have an issue of of that, of that platform relationship in the commission. I mean, cause you mentioned, you, you kind of subtly mentioned it before. It's like most folks that are into making knives want to make knives. They don't want to, yep. they want, they don't want to do sales and marketing. That's where you guys. That is in. correct. A lot of them do not. Now there's self platforms out there like TikTok and Instagram where everybody's trying to get a lot of followers and everything, but they don't really have a lot of problem with us. Uh, and I'll tell you why it's because nobody's doing what we are doing. We are putting the maker first and not the money first. Uh, so all of our customers come before anything. Uh, we will take a, like Bo said, we'll take a slash at our commission before we take a slash at theirs. Uh, so if a site-wide sale comes up and we're saying, Hey, 10% off all blades and everything, we don't message the makers. We take that directly from our cut to show them that we actually care about them and not necessarily all the money that we're going to make. Cause I mean, it's not, it's not crazy amounts. It's great, but uh, we're just providing them a service for a very little amount. Our competitors right now, they're at like 30% and that's where you have to send in the knife. It's displayed in a store. It's, there's a lot of different things that are going on at blades work that uh, we're doing differently for the maker. And that's really what our, our not necessarily motto is, but everything that we do is for them. Mm-hmm. Now, What's harder to find, knife makers or customers? Ooh, great question, Bo. I think, yeah, I, I think the the knife makers, at least the initial route, like we, we've recently launched a new knife, uh, knife maker recruiting campaign and we've got some really great knife makers that just recently came on board. So I think as the platform has grown, finding knife makers has become easier. Uh, I think the difficult part was initially cracking into the market segments we had identified in our startup phase. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a lot more difficult. Getting people to understand that, you know, the large knife companies you can find in the PX, those are, you know, I don't want to talk bad about them. You know, those have been around forever and they're trusty tools. But why is a more expensive custom knife better? And I think that narrative was more difficult to develop in the minds of our customers than it was to recruit the bladesmiths themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, so where are you at as far as execution on this? Are you guys still, are you retooling from what you were doing before and just, and just now launching? Are you well, are you down the no, ways? So we actually launched last October okay. um, and we had the website up fully running autonomously. So we've been all, it'll be a year uh, come this October. Um, it's slow, but it's good. It's a brand new market for us. Uh, it's a brand new market for the makers. Uh, and like Bo said, you know, what's the difference between a bent, a $15 K bar that's folding and a $300 folder. Um, you know, the, that's what we're really trying to educate. We're not just like trying to make money, but we're trying to educate our, our, uh, customers as well. Yeah. So, so what is the difference between a, a mass produced knife that is a great tool versus a custom knife? You're going to get Christian. So <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Um, so let me ask you a question. What, what knife do you carry? 
Uh, well, I'm an airline pilot, so I hardly ever carry a knife because I'm afraid I'll, I'll leave it in my pocket when I go to work. <laughs> All right. But let's say you were to carry like the, the Gerber, the, uh, the K-Bar. I got Leathermans. I got a saw. Okay, I got, I got yeah. a K-Bar. Okay. I got a couple buck knives. Gotcha. Would you ever go up to a solid steel bar with your K-Bar or your Gerber and take a hammer and then put the edge of the blade on top of the steel bar and then slam as hard as you possibly can with a hammer on that steel. No. Oh, why? Well, cause it would probably take a chunk out of it or break it. Yeah, you're absolutely right because it's a mass produced uh, tool that doesn't have, it has a little bit of quality control, but it's not as tight as it needs to be. What I can tell you is you can do that with one of mine and you'll be just fine. It's, so it's an the incredible quality, is thing the quality of the last steel? generations. Is it quality of the I'm steel? Is it, is it a yeah. factor of the quality of the steel or the metal? Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it with the metal and the different kind of steels that you can use. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with like, did you get the heat treat process right? How do you know on a production knife when they do quality control checking one out of 100 that they actually nailed it because it's a lot of science. I've learned a lot of science, electrical stuff, uh, just doing this hobby. And uh, the steel plays a very, very important role. So you got to get the hardness down just right. Uh, you know, if you do a differential hardness, which means the spine on top is soft, but the actual cutting edge is hard. Um, there's different purposes for every single blade out there, but it, it definitely boils down to a lot of heat treat process and like the overall function of the knife. But you can use like custom knives will last for generations and it's things it's a, look at it as an investment. Like you're going to get one for your son, your daughter, whatever. Um, and then they're going to be able to give it to their son or daughter. Uh, so it's not just something like you throw away or you lose in the field after a long field op, like a $13 K bar. You're, you're going to want to have this for life because it's going to last that long. Wow. Well, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> when you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. We bought a few cars with Navy Federal loans over my 31 years as a member and their fully loaded car buying experience is awesome. You can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all through one convenient place. They have low rates and pre-approval that's good for 90 days, so you know what you can afford while you're shopping. You can save thousands off MSRP with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by TrueCar. You can also get exclusive member savings with Carfax, Geico, and SiriusXM. They're always available with 24-7 member service representatives to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash carbine. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Your actual savings off MSRP may vary. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. We can all remember what we were doing 20 years ago on September 11th. 9-11 is etched in our memories as a day of incalculable tragedy, but also superhuman courage. In honor of the 20th anniversary of September 11th, Ironlight Labs has launched the 20 for 20 podcast presenting 20 heroic stories in the 20 years since 9-11. The host is Niels Jorgensen, who served as a New York firefighter for 21 years until his forced medical retirement due to the leukemia he contracted from cleaning up Ground Zero. Interviews include John Feel, who had 8,000 pounds of steel dropped on his foot in the Ground Zero cleanup and who forced Congress to take care of 9-11 victims. Sergeant Ted Anderson went in and out of the Pentagon several times to save lives. Brian Clark, who was one of only 18 survivors where the South Tower was struck, and saved a stranger named Stanley Pramus Life, who's now one of his best friends. These stories will cause listeners to more fully understand the events, what it felt like being there, what choices were made and why, and how their lives changed. 
we should never forget 9-11. Our hope is that the 20 for 20 podcast series will offer a living testimony for future generations. You'll find the 20 for 20 podcast on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or you can go to 20for20podcast.com. That's 20for20podcast.com. All right, back talking with Marine Corps veterans Christian Helms and Bo Plant, founders of Blades Work. So, Christian, you're on a roll there about the difference between a, the quality of a custom knife and some kind of mass-produced mm-hmm. life. But I, I do got a question. Yeah. Um, we were talking over the break. You guys had an interesting start when you actually started up the business. So go, go back uh, to the beginning and tell us, uh, for all those budding entrepreneurs out there, military veterans, military spouses that are wanting how to get started, we want to hear your story of what actually happened in the very beginning. Sure. So okay. I, I can, yeah, I think yeah, uh, cause Cr- Christian, Christian had talked about shadow blades forge. Um, and when I came on board, that was the name. And I think really once, once, once I came and I told him I wanted to use my business expertise, we had to figure out how we could actually make it, make it real. Um, and uh-huh. what I will say, the one of the biggest helps in actually creating blades or final limit as a real entity, uh, was for those transitioning, um, service members that are in school or planning to go to school. A lot of, you know, universities have entrepreneurial offices, uh, at them and that GW or George Washington's really was a critical, uh, source of help and advice and inevitably funds, uh, through their pitch competition that really kind of got us off the ground. It really direct us in a way that enabled us to, uh, build our idea and create something that's real. So I think if anyone is looking for the challenge of entrepreneurship as they, as they transition, uh, one of the biggest lessons that we found is that it's, it's all right to ask for help. And sometimes that can get, give you the launch that you need. Um, so that's basically how we got our start as we, you know, we built up this, this, uh, startup plan and ended up pitching it at a, uh, George Washington university pitch competition. Mm-hmm. We won startup funds from that and we've been bootstrapping it from there ever since. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll add one real quick thing about like the, I think the scariest thing for all veterans and entrepreneurs is just the the start. Like, how do I get started? What do I need to know? How many fun, how much money do I need? What are the legalities? Where should I register? All of these things. Uh, personally, I use a thing called the legal zoom. Uh, it is, it is a little fairly expensive. Uh, you can probably find somebody local to help you establish your business, uh, for a little bit less, but the story of blades work, started on the couch at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and I was sitting there and on a weekend I was bored. Uh, and I had this idea and I kept being scared and I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. I, I don't know if it's going to fail. You know, I shouldn't do this. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and then I just clicked by, uh, and, and that was it. And so the best advice that I can give literally anybody is if you have a business idea, no matter if it's going to fail or continue on, because a lot of startups do fail just do it. It, it. There's no harm in going out there and just doing it. You don't need a lot of money. Uh, you don't need all these grants and, and, and loans and getting into all this debt and all this stuff. If you have an idea, just jump in and do it. That's it. Right. And you know, it's typical. Um, entrepreneurship is, is a process. It's not all about the idea necessarily. So yeah. oftentimes, most of the time a business fails is because the process failed. The idea mm-hmm. didn't fail, um, believe it or not. So if you run an idea through that process and you've come out with failure on the other end, 
maybe maybe it was the idea, maybe it was the process. You refine your process, you go back, yeah. you get another idea, and you run that idea through the process. And the more times you do that, exactly. the, better, the better you get. So failure of an idea is not failure in entrepreneurship by any means. It's just a learning process. Absolutely not. Yeah. And, yep. I, and I, yep. I think you, I think you can't be afraid of where that process will take you either. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of funny story. We've mentioned shadow blade forge before we kept through that all the way to our first investors pitch meeting. Uh, Christian and I got up there, we had our PowerPoint all set up. And the reason we ended up changing it to blades work unlimited is we went to these investors who said, Hey, we're shadow blades forge. We are a custom knife marketplace. And one of the investors stopped us, raised a hand and goes, Oh, I thought this was for a video game. And that right there was like, it shows that, and that, you know, that, that feedback right there, that like showstopper was like, okay, let's go back to the drawing board on the name. So people know we are. And now we have something that we're able to build a brand behind. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, sometimes you got to be willing to accept, you know, clues like that and be able to pivot or change or adjust. Um, Exactly. Cause you never know what, you never know what the customer's perception of something, you know, just like a name would be. Um, So you know, shows you're adaptable and uh, willing to make modifications and continue on down the road. You don't fall in love with your plan. Absolutely. Sure. Talk to us a little bit about what a pitch competition's like. Oh man. Uh, Bo, since you were the actual student, I'll let you go first on this one. <laughs> well, first off, un- unfortunately, cause I was the George Washington student. I had to do all the pitching. So <laughs> I got really good at public speaking. If you're going to yeah. do a pitch competition, be comfortable speaking. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. It was, it was interesting. Cause I think there was 220 uh, potential businesses that entered into the George Washington competition. Nice. And we ended up being uh, a top four, um, uh, team, I guess now business. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, there's multiple rounds. The first was, uh, you know, Hey, just send us your general business plan. And they, and you know, they cut some off that round. Now send us more. What are your financial projections? What's your timeline? Send us like a startup budget and they made more. And then by the third round is when we actually started pitching in person. Uh, and then they cut it down to the top four and that was the final pitch. So really, I think, if you're, if you are interested in uh, entering one of those pitch competitions, which can be extremely valuable for starting your business of receiving funds with, you know, not having to give away capital into the business itself. Um, I think what set us apart is there was a lot of people, especially at being university looking to save the world with their business plan. What got us and, you know, obviously we're selling custom knives, which is great, but we're not curing world hunger. Um, <laughs> Like a, like a lot of people were trying to, what set us apart. And the reason we got so far with our idea is that we were real. We were able to, we spent time on our projections. We tend to be realistic. We sought out advice from mentors, things like that. Um, and we showed that we could be profitable uh, and it wasn't just an abstract idea. It gave the, the judges yeah. or in this case, the investors confidence that we could actually execute this. Out of all these businesses, we were the only legitimate business that had already registered with the state and everything, uh, and had actually made sales. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, I got my master's in entrepreneurship from Oklahoma state my last couple of years in the Marine Corps before I retired. And I entered a business plan competition at Oklahoma state. It has similar experience. It, and I was the old guy, you know, and most of the other people were college <laughs> age kids. And I'm the old guy. We had like 90 teams enter. And that quickly got cut in half after the first round because most of them didn't even get their business plan done. Exactly. I ended up coming in third. Um, Wow. And it was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a similar experience. Um, 
And, and I swear, the only, the only reason I, granted, I had a valid business idea, but I, I swear the fact that I'd had a career in the Marine Corps and knew how to talk to a crowd, knew how to talk to people. Yeah. And, and my business plan was printed, bound, printed in color. And I spent money on my business plans that got handed out to the judges. I mean, it looked good. I mean, it looked really good. Yeah. I knew how to, I knew how to make a good impression. Um, but you know, the, yeah, the military, card did, you know, our, our military experience or leadership, like yeah. that was something that we talked about in our pitches and the judges in this case, like it did resound with them. Um, cause it also lends some credence to our, Hey, we got to get it done mentality. We will adapt to all that stuff. So it does play to your advantage. Yep. You just got to show that you're willing to execute on it. And when, when investors are actually looking at you to invest, invest, yeah, they have to like the idea they, the numbers got to be there, but ultimately they want to really know who you are because they are investing yeah. in you as an individual. That's Who's it. the guy that's running that's this not. thing or the gal. It, yep. It's, very important who you are. They wanted to know more about our team, me, Bo, and my wife, than they did about the finance aspect. Yeah, the finances were big, yep. but it was more like, we're going to put our trust and faith in you. Uh, now, then again, the investors that we pitched to were all about like health markets and uh, health saving devices. And we're over here waving custom knives. So it wasn't necessarily our investment market at the time, mm -hmm. uh, but our shot's coming. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. All right. So how do we find Blades Work? So if you find Blades Work, go to www.bladeswork.com, B-L-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-K.com. On there, we've got about 25 to 30 different knife makers with readily available custom handmade knives. Uh, and then the most important feature that we have, um, we also support the community by giving them work as well, not necessarily just them selling their own work, but we've taken our templates and our designs for our knives and developed something called Build-A-Blade. Uh, build a blade lets you as the creator or as the customer go in and choose your own handle, choose your own pins, choose your own knife profile, and you can see it being built right before your eyes. Then we put you in contact with the custom knife maker uh, that's going to make your knife and you get weekly updates on, Hey, here's your knife coming right out of the forge and into the oil. You know, it's, it's a very interesting process. Uh, so if you go to bladeswork.com, check that's it out. Cool. Do they actually like send you pictures or video as your knife is being yeah. made? Really? That is correct. Yep. For the oh, entire process, cool. you get to meet your maker. Uh, we first introduce you guys. We match you match you together. Uh, and then, you know, they have all the tools that they need to create your knife and you can make custom edits along the way. And it's really tailored to the customer. And, and it feels like you're not just getting something from the store or buying something from offline. You're meeting the person that is making your blade. And it's a very, very, it's a great experience. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like it. That's pretty cool. It's not very many things are, you can do that with. If you are, if you are interested in uh, some of the more scientific aspects Christian was talking about, and Azure Blades was talking to you, we also have a uh, blog, Forging Corns, on there. It gives you all those details, yep. all the aspects with your blades was maybe talking about. Uh -huh. So those go out in a monthly newsletter. It's all informational. We're not selling you anything. That's just a fun blog for weekly content as well. Awesome. Sweet. All right, well, we're getting close to the end of our time here. So I do get, want to give you guys the last word. Um, if you had, if you were talking to somebody just getting ready to get out of the military, they're in their transition and they really want to get out and start their own business or get involved in entrepreneurship, what kind of advice comes to mind? I would say do it now. If you're looking at, at the end of your, um, your service, whether or not you have six months left, three months left or one month left, 
don't wait until you get out of the Marine Corps or get out of the service, uh, any branch to start the business. Start now, start making your connections, get on LinkedIn, find a fellow company or a mentor that you can use, uh, gather your board. Mentors are very, very important. Uh, but I think the overall advice that I would give to anybody that's just jumping out into the transition world of entrepreneurship as well is just do it. If you have an idea, just do it. Good advice. How about you, Bo? I'd say, I'd say, I'd say going off of that, I, I gravitate towards entrepreneurship because what I appreciate about the military was it gave me a unique challenge every day. And entrepreneurship is very similar to that. However, you know, you, you may not start a company, very few companies take off and start making a mint right away. It can be a very slow process. Don't be afraid to do entrepreneurship and also have a normal job to keep food on the table at the same time. Mm-hmm. Both Christian and I work a full-time job, run Bladeswork Unlimited when we can and grow it. The dream is we can work for Bladeswork Unlimited full-time in the future, but sometimes you got to put in the extra work in order to have your company succeed. And don't be afraid to, to yeah. do that if need be. Absolutely. Yeah. The thing I miss the most about the military is the military mindset. And the closest thing I've found to the military mindset is the entrepreneur mindset. So hundred percent. Yeah. Too simple. Agreed. All right, gents. Well, thanks for sharing your entrepreneurial story. Look forward to checking back with you here in another year or two when you guys are doing great, even better than you are now. So um, good future success to you. Thanks for being on the show and, and uh, sharing your entrepreneurial success story. Absolutely, man. Joe, thanks for having us. It was an honor. You bet. All right. Appreciate it. These three Marines are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.